Welcome to Dynasty Life. I am Theo Greminger. Uh, and at Dynasty Life, we're trying to bring you top-notch guests. We're trying to help you build league-winning Dynasty rosters, not only for the short term, but for the long term. We want to help you get yourself in a place to dominate your Dynasty leagues. This is my second episode of all time, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Heath Cummings of CBS Sports. And Heath and I have podcasted a few times at this point. Uh, the last time we podcasted was actually Dynasty centric. Uh, you came on Man versus Machine when we had our Dynasty Week this past summer, Player Profiler, which was really fun. Where we had a number of shows that aren't routinely Dynasty shows uh, go full on Dynasty, and uh, that was that was great. I always enjoy talking to you. I always enjoy hearing your thoughts on Dynasty. But you're doing some really cool stuff over at CBS. You guys have really expanded your Dynasty content, Heath. Uh, talk to everybody a little bit about Fantasy Football Today Dynasty and the Dynasty Hub, where they can find a lot of very cool things that can help them as Dynasty managers. Well, first off, thanks for having me, and it's always a good time talking to you. And I, I will tell you, like, I get asked to do podcast appearances, and it's much more likely I'm going to say yes when it's a Dynasty podcast, because this yeah. is my preferred way of playing fantasy football. This is what I love. So, yeah, we we launched Fantasy Football Today Dynasty, the podcast just before the start of the season, we're going once a week on Tuesdays. I'm going to have to have you have on that pretty quick here. Maybe we'll get something scheduled for December. Um, and we kind of just do the same thing, just trying to help people dominate their dynasty leagues, whether you're contending for a title this year or you're building for two years from now. Either way, we've got content for you. And then we now do have full dynasty rankings, trade charts, mailbags, all that stuff at cbssports.com slash fantasy. Top right-hand corner is the Dynasty Hub you'll find links to every Dynasty article we've done this year. And Heath, you know, you mentioned trade targets, and that's something that's been a focus of ours on Sonic Truth right here on Dynasty Life, and plus the great stuff they do over at the Undrafted and the Dynasty Warzone and our podcast network. Um, but it's interesting because you have like two big frames of mind in, in Dynasty football. Some people are for trade deadlines. We have a little bit of organization. Uh, it's not pure chaos. And some people think that that's just, an unbelievably weak way of playing dynasty. <laughs> we should be able to trade all year long. Where do you fall in line? I'm a, I am on the record. I am a trade deadline guy. I think when we get to the fantasy playoffs, there should be no trades. I think the waiver wire should stay open for teams that are in the playoffs. I think that there should be a cut and dry, you know, sometime end of November, early December, whatever arbitrary date you have. I'm, I am definitely pro trade deadline. Where are you at Heath? You know, I think I'd probably uh, had a lot more stuff go viral if I could have a hot take on things like this, but I can very easily see both sides. I, I do want to tell a funny story because this is something that's going on in a league I'm in right now. We started a new Dynasty League kind of around the Fantasy Football Today Dynasty show. We also did a fundraiser for St. Jude's for one of the spots in the league. Adam Azer, who is the host of our podcast, is also the commissioner. He's a much, much, much better podcast host than he is a Dynasty commissioner because... I was thinking about whether I was buying or selling. I go to look at the trade deadline in this league. There's no deadline. I thought, oh, great. I'll just wait until the playoffs. I made that mention to him. It was just an oversight. He's throwing a fit now because he is super intense on there must be a trade deadline. Um, if, if I had to lean one direction or another, it would be no trade deadline. I think if you're going to do that, though, there's a couple of rules that make that better. One, I think everybody should pay for a year in advance. Like whenever you start the league, pay the first two years and then pay one year in advance always. Two, if you're going to trade any first-round picks from any future years, you have to pay for that year as well. So you want to trade your 2025 first, go ahead and pay for 2025 first. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I think paying for future seasons, at least paying for half of next year's entry fee. Um, that way, if we have to go, if like, you know, a guy leaves, you know, you're able to go and, and pick up a, a manager to fill an orphan at least you're offering the caveat that you're paying half price. Um, so somewhat of a political answer, Heath, but we'll, we'll, we'll give you a pass on that one. <laughs> you definitely played both sides of the fence slightly, but on the record, we, are, we, are, we both want a little bit of rules, not pure anarchy with this. Um, and then how about your preferred method of playing Dynasty at this point? Because I know that there's a lot, been a lot of people, you know, they kind of look down. I, I prefer non-Superflex, and I'm looked at as somewhat yeah. what, like a, like a dinosaur, like I'm some 75 year old guy <laughs> or something like that. But I just, I, I, I enjoy the aspect of single quarterback. I still obviously play a good amount 
of Superflex. Where are you at in kind of your preferred playing style this year? Well, to be political, I, I, I would like to have one of each. I've got like 25 different leagues. Please don't make them all the same rules. So I love the diversity in the different types of leagues. If I have to choose my favorite, though, it is Superflex, just because I have a hard time when we're talking about, especially if you're in a, a league that rewards four points for pass touchdowns. We have the most important position in fo football, inarguably. Everyone agrees with it. You don't have a chance if you don't have a quarterback. But the fantasy game that we're going to play around it in a one-quarterback league where pass touchdowns are only worth four points, the quarterback's kind of like, eh, yeah, if I get one, it's fine. If I don't, it's fine. And so I do think the lack of importance of the quarterback position in a one-quarterback league is a fault. Yeah, no, it's I'm, I'm with you. I, I I kind of do enjoy the diversity of it. Yeah. Um, and I like tight end premium as well, but I don't I don't need to be all tight end premium right. focused, especially you know for for redraft and for and for dynasty. But you know you you've talked about like Heath, you you guys at CBS have really gravitated towards the dynasty content uh, over the years, and I think you, a lot of people associate you with you know your older redraft content. But dynasty is this like your talk about like this is like your preferred you know method of playing fantasy it really is like an all-encompassing thing where you're like thinking about it all the time it's it's ingrained in your mind during the off season like how long have you been playing dynasty and and uh you know how how is it like really driven you know kind of your love of the game over the years well it's my love of the game but i think like the best thing that this game does if we can get a little bit outside of ourselves is that it can keep people together for decades that otherwise wouldn't talk to each other. I have a league still, and it's not a dynasty league. It's been a, a version of a some sort of keeper league always, but there's certain guys that don't really pay that much attention. So if it went full dynasty, they'd probably get left behind. But I talked to those guys from 25 years ago that I went to high school solely because I play in a fantasy football league with them, a few of them. Some of them I would talk to still. And I think that dynasty leagues do a much better job of keeping groups together. Like I hear people talking about a new dynasty league and you better win in year one because who knows how long the league's going to last. I I've had maybe one dynasty league fall apart in my history of playing fantasy football. Like almost all the, the that's the problem. None of them fall apart. And so now I've got 17 of them. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I do think like you mentioned the year round part of it. But I also think it just it feels so much more like a long term commitment with the guys you're in the league with. It's a relationship builder and a relationship maintainer. And dynasty leagues are the best way to do that, in my opinion. Love it. I completely agree with you. When you get in the right dynasty league, there is no no better interaction between league mates, um, especially because, you know, trading is so rampant. I think yeah. that in, in in a lot of like home redraft leagues. There'll always be a few managers that are, you know, completely not trading, not as active. Uh, even in higher stakes uh, ones, it's just a matter of some people are just kind of like, I don't want to deal with it. But when it comes to Dynasty, when you get to this time of year, people have a clear idea of where they are at. The people that are trying to rebuild often will be scrambling, really trying to get themselves in a position for the future, cutting off any asset that they don't want to carry into next year. And then on the flip side, when people have a, know that they have a chance to win a title or win money, they're doing whatever they can. So it's really like a, it's an active way to play the game. It's yeah. great. And then, you know, oh, I'm sorry, Heath, you had something to add? No, I was just going to say, also, like you said this time of year, and it just makes me think, like, what percentage of redraft players are pretty much done checking the website? Like they're sitting there at three and seven or two and eight. They're not making the playoffs. They're not going back to the site again for the rest of the year. And they're not going to talk to anybody about it because they're they're mad about it. You're two That's and eight right. in a dynasty league. And you're thinking, what 30 year old can I get off my roster and pick up a third round pick for next year? That's right. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, and we we I asked this question, you know, a lot of a lot of people who are watching this probably also watch, you know, first class fantasy or press coverage. But for Dynasty, it's a little bit more of a nuanced question because of the longevity of rostering a player. When you're wrong in redraft on a player, it can absolutely hurt your money. It can absolutely hurt your chance of winning a championship. But if I'm wrong in a Dynasty format, it can hurt me for years to come. Simply looking at going with like an opportunity to draft, and we don't want to you know, call the guy a bust at this point, but there were fantasy managers who were going, Quentin Johnston, over Jordan Addison. And that was a, a thing where you saw maybe half a manager is going either way when they're in our rookie drafts. Now, if you would have made that decision, you know, you're going to hold the ramifications potentially for five years. When it comes to tight ends, a lot of people were taking Michael Mayer ahead of Sam Laporta. 
that's looking like a really, really tough uh, pill to swallow, especially for tight end premium managers. So, Heath, what was a guy that you were really disappointed in? Maybe a guy that you were a little more bullish on for this season. Maybe you saw as a as maybe an elite dynasty asset and somebody who's really let you down with their performance this year, whether it's their fault or whether it's just their usage on their team. So I, I don't know if I mean, if you're looking for a rookie, then I think by far the best answer of who's anyway, any way you want to go, Heath, you can go, you can, you don't have to go rookie. Just stay. Okay, uh, well, then we'll go those with my, hurt more. Those hurt my, more. When, yeah. The rookie hurt more, but I, I didn't invest a whole lot in Bryce Young. I think he's the guy I was most disappointed in oh, yeah. because I thought that he could be someone who looked okay that rookie year and maybe develop and, and he still could. Uh, Quinton Johnson, I was mostly out on anyway, so it didn't really disappoint me. In fact, I chuckled a little. Um, but Miles Sanders has to be the guy that I just completely and and we like we have these running backs every year that get value at 25, 26 years old. And in redraft, we know like the dead zone running back, this guy is only being elevated because he doesn't have competition for touches and that could end at any moment. And that's exactly what happened to Sanders. The thing that I got fooled by and and listen, we all factor in different things differently. The way the Carolina Panthers paid Miles Sanders and then talked about Miles Sanders and then you can sell like at the beginning of the year that absolutely was their intention. The guy had 20 targets over the first 4 games of the season or something. They thought they had acquired a true workhorse running back that was going to see the ball 300 times, and he just completely fell on his face. Now, I think there were some injuries there that had to do with that, but obviously he was also just a worse player than he had been in past years. Him getting outplayed by Chuba Hubbard was a shock to even the the biggest of Miles Sanders' doubters, I think. And now I, I, I would not be surprised if he's been dropped in a lot of Dynasty Leagues. Yeah, he's, he's a purgatory player at best, I feel like, yep. in Dynasty at this point. And it's funny because a lot of the argument for Miles Sanders in from a dynasty perspective was the insulation he has from yep. the contract he was given. And what I think that that's kind of a lesson learned is NFL franchises make mistakes with the money that they have and also the draft pick equity. The same franchise you just referenced, you gave Bryce Young. Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud is looking like an all-time miss, and we're going to mm-hmm. touch on C.J. Stroud a little bit later on the show. And then you go look at their second-round pick, and this is more like nitpicking Carolina's decision, but we're also going to talk about Tank Dell on this show. Yes. We're not going to spend a lot of time on Jonathan Mingo. So there's been like mistake mistakes in the draft, and we can't call either guy a bust, but they're certainly not looking like a franchise-defining player like Houston got with Stroud. And then their choice to spend the money on Miles Sanders and give him this huge contract. I mean, it's just been miss after miss for the Carolina Panthers. How about, Heath, when we get to positives? And I have a a caveat here. I I always say no Puka Nakua. You're not allowed to, you know, it's run its course. So no Puka Nakua. Who would be the biggest positive surprise for you? Maybe a guy you weren't necessarily high on or maybe a guy that you thought was fine but has really just blown away expectations for you in terms of, of the way that they have performed this season. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely the answer would have been Puka Nakua. So I think that's a good rule that you have uh, making a no Puka Nakua rule. I'll, I'll go with another rookie wide receiver though. And he's been a little dinged up lately, but Josh Downs, man. Yeah. Like that guy does it in just about every way that you would like to say, see a wide receiver. There was a week four week. Five, I think it was a second Minshew start. He scored a touchdown from like the five yard line and ran a route in man-to-man coverage that just nobody was going to cover. He looks special to the degree that I, I'm not so sure that Michael Pittman's going to remain the number one wide receiver over downs for very long. And so that that's a guy who's really moved up the ranks quite a bit for me since the start of the season and surprised me with just how quickly he was ready to contribute in the NFL. I love the Josh Downs answer. Josh Downs has just been fantastic. Mm-hmm. His, his skill set really seemed to mesh with Gardner Minshew but he also has a connection with Anthony Richardson. Um, I agree with you. I mean, he's exactly the kind of player that has longevity in the league. He's able to play the slot, but he's also extremely explosive and can make big plays. And the college production was excellent for Josh Downs. Um, And I think it's kind of a, this draft class had so much depth at the wide receiver position. We've seen so many guys fail in the third round. The third round's actually been fantastic for this one with, with Downs, um, you know, with Tank Dell, and then we've seen flashes from guys like Michael Wilson. We're, we're going to dive into 
a number of players. We're going to dive into a number of situations. We're going to get a few dynasty buys. Uh, and we're going to talk about this incredible game we've got lined up with CJ Stroud and Kyler Murray and how we're viewing these guys in the dynasty landscape. It has been two years since Josh Larkey paved the way for fantasy gamers to start expecting positive returns from Pick'em games, specifically underdog Pick'ems. And how do you do it? Well, you look at the slate and you find a great shootout or a sneaky shootout. You also look for a shit show game. Three, four, five, six guys in one game. That's right. You can do it. You can do it. And you can 100x your payout on underdog. Think about week one. Jets-Bills was a shit show. Did we see the Aaron Rodgers injury coming? No, but we knew the Jets have a good defense. We knew the Bills have a good defense. Why not expect the worst? And the worst is what we got. So if you had gone Dalvin Cook less than, Garrett Wilson less than, Aaron Rodgers less than, Josh Allen less than, Gabriel Davis less than, boom, 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 you can go six for six. Same thing in week two. Oh, week two. Well, sneaky shootout there in Philadelphia. Minnesota's going to be in comeback mode, so we'll go Cousins, Jefferson, Hawkinson, more than, Madison, less than, but also Swift, more than. Boom, 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 boom. That's how you do it with the underdog pickums, and you use promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You put in 100 underdog matches that deposit up to 100 bucks with promo code UNDERWORLD. Go start picking. Welcome back to Dynasty Life. A shout out to the Podfather for his big time underdog uh, commercial. Good one there, Matt, if you're listening on this one. And he, you know, there's a lot of guys to talk about, but we're recording this on Friday, right after Thursday night football. And last night was a scary one for, for fantasy managers. I mean, we could talk about Joe Burrow, um, but quarterback is a position where you're able to overcome it a little bit easier, especially in single quarterback leagues. But Mark Andrews, done for the season, is about as bad as it gets. What are your thoughts on let's let's take it back a step. What are your thoughts on his immediate replacement, Isaiah Likely? Because Isaiah Likely was a guy that was kind of steaming up in, in Dynasty. Last year, he had a number of impactful games. He played very, very well in the AFC playoff game against Cincinnati. Uh, that Baltimore lost, and he had a little bit of momentum heading into this offseason. This is a guy that kind of plays like a big, slow, wide receiver, and then we get the Todd Munkin landing spot as offensive coordinator. I, for one, thought like, hey, Isaiah Likely's a, a right. cool guy to have on my roster. He's got contingent uh, upside if Mark Andrews misses, and also like maybe he could play a little bit of wide receiver because we heard about all these four wide receiver sets with Munkin. It's been anything but. And the one opportunity Isaiah likely had was week one where we all went nuts and we all added him and we all started him and he had one catch for like four yards. Is Isaiah likely a guy that fantasy managers, dynasty, redraft, whatever, should be going out and looking at as a potential replacement for Mark Andrews? Can he get us 65%, 70% of the Mark Andrews production or is that just wishful thinking? I would have, if you'd have asked me this question in August, I would have said, yes, I'm sure he's rostered already everywhere. And now you're going to be able to cash in by selling him if you already have a tight end. But I, it's not just week one. Last night, Mark Andrews went down very early in that game. Lamar Jackson threw 26 passes. Two of them went to Isaiah Likely, and he didn't catch either one. It just doesn't, it seems like what, what the situation is last year in their offensive system, there was a tight end bucket for targets. And if Mark Andrews is gone, then Isaiah Likely is just going to pick up that bucket and the targets are going to him. This year, that doesn't seem to exist. They've got better wide receivers and they have an offensive system that's not so dependent on throwing the ball to the tight end. So they can throw it to OBJ. They can throw it to Zay Flowers. They can even throw it to Nelson Aguilar, apparently, instead of Isaiah Likely. I, I definitely believe that Likely should be rostered, um, should be a top waiver wire ad this week but I'm going to have to see it before I'm going to believe it. The little evidence we've got so far in basically one and three quarters games without Andrews is that likely he's not stepping into that role. I think most likely if you're a contender with Andrews, you're trading for a Mark Andrews replacement. I would say that like, if you're looking desperate on the waiver wire, the better option might be another tight end that played in that game last night, Tanner Hudson. 
now four straight games where he's been the most involved Bengals tight end in the passing game. And yeah, it's so, funny. Tanner Hudson's a guy we talked about this week on a number of pods. And Heath, it's funny. It's like when you hear the name Tanner Hudson and he hasn't really done anything in his career, you're like, oh, well, this must be some young guy that Cincinnati <laughs> had on the roster. He's like 29 years old. Yeah. But, you know, he's there every, for three straight games now. Um, but gosh, that's a really if if the Mark Andrews manager says, you know, Heath, you know, who should I go look for? And you're like, oh, just Tanner Hudson. He's going to like he's going to just, you know, turn off the podcast. So uh, we'll talk about some tight end trade targets, but it's it's brutal when you lose a guy like Mark Andrews. It's going to be interesting to see if there's like a contingent, uh, you know, player on the on the Ravens that sees more usage. Maybe Zay Flowers becomes yeah. really fun down the stretch. That would be kind of where I would go. But, you know, that remains to be seen. Maybe it could be a little bit of Keaton Mitchell. Let's talk about this, the really exciting game of the week. And it's funny because if when when we were podcasting this summer, Heath, if I would have said, hey, man, in week 11, the game that I am excited for is Houston, Arizona, you would have laughed in my face. And obviously, Philadelphia, Kansas City, that's a game of the week. But we have, from a dynasty perspective, there are few more exciting uh, games than this one. You have CJ Stroud and you have Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray comes back from injury, looks exceptional. CJ Stroud mm-hmm. is like top two in the league in, in passing yardage as a rookie. He's been unbelievable. Where do these two guys fall in line for you in your quarterback rankings? How, like how high up have you moved Stroud? And a now healthy C, uh, Kyler Murray, where do you place him? Yeah, I, I am all the way in on C.J. Stroud. So I, I don't know how far ahead of consensus I am, but he's my QB4. The only guys ahead of him are Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts. I look at him in comparison, and, and the guys that you struggle with, obviously, Lamar, Burrow, Herbert. I do think that Lamar probably still has more upside than just about anybody in fantasy football, but he's also a running quarterback who's in his late 20s. I'm not sure that he has the same, man, you get this guy and you've got five to 10 years of a QB1. And then Herbert and Burrow, I just, I'm not sure there's any reason to believe they have more upside than Stroud and they're four to five years older than him. So CJ Stroud is my QB4 right now. Kyler Murray has been around 11 or 12 for me since the injury. I've got him bumped up to QB9. Part of the reason is because we've had couple of guys fall Justin Fields doesn't have the the certainty of long term like we hoped he had and Trevor Lawrence has just failed to to materialize into a must-start fantasy quarterback I love the answer and I love the aggressiveness with CJ Stroud I think that's the litmus test so you're there because a lot like when we talk about him versus Herbert and versus Burrow uh you know it's for some it's a personal preference I, right. I think you're correct I think CJ Stroud based on what he's doing in such a short period of time I'm there ahead of those guys but I think the litmus test is Lamar Jackson yeah because I think a lot of people have Lamar at the QB4 spot but you are already there with CJ Stroud moving ahead of Lamar um is Lamar your QB5 he is and I I think an important distinction here and this is I know a place that CBS is kind of an outlier in the industry although there's a few other places that are as well our standard scoring setting is six points per pass touchdown and so all of my rankings are generally based on that. I'll tell people how it would be different in a four-point per pass touchdown league. But I do think that Stroud, Herbert, Burrow all have a little edge on Lamar probably in that six-point per pass touchdown league. But yes, Lamar right behind Stroud, then Herbert and Burrow. Yeah, it's it's really an exciting time for super flex managers. Uh, you know, let's talk about Kyler Murray a little bit. Okay, you have him. We have a, a question in the chat. Uh, what would you give up for Kyler Murray and super flex? We would obviously, I think we'd both give up of a very high amount if we have them at quarterback nine. And I know we have them right about there at player profiler as well, but your kind of reaction to seeing him come back this quickly and look this athletic. And now Heath, we feel really good about kind of where he's at mm-hmm. in terms of offensive coordinator. I think this guy, Drew Petzing is very, very smart. We saw a lot of production from Josh Dobbs with him. Like how comfortable are you with Kyler Murray as your QB one um, with your super flex dynasty teams. I I'm very comfortable with him 
in the fact that we saw him running like that and moving like I didn't see any discernible difference between Kyler Murray post-injury and pre-injury. And so that's fantastic. Like a lot of times with I know with Javante, with Brees, the first couple of weeks back, it didn't quite look like them. Kyler Murray apparently took long enough. And listen, he did use the entire three week window to get ready to play. So I think he's 100 percent as a rusher. There's obviously still some rust and still some learning to do. That was his first game in a brand new system. He missed a couple of wide open throws. I expect by the time we get to the fantasy playoffs, that's all gone. And he's just a must start probably top six or seven fantasy quarterback in the fantasy playoffs this year and going into next year. I have a a slight amount of concern specifically this week and maybe the next couple of weeks as we see him work this rust as a passer off. But no, I think by the time we get to week 14, week 15, week 16, that range, he's going to be fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm excited about him. A quick question in the chat. We got a couple trade questions. Tyreek Hill and Ken Walker for CeeDee Lamb and Stephon Diggs. I will take the CeeDee Lamb and Stephon Diggs side. Which way will you go, Heath? I will take the CeeDee Lamb and Stephon Diggs side. Lamb is the best player in the deal, in my opinion. We are in lockstep on that one. Here is one more. Tyreek Hill for A.J. Brown and Mike Evans. I'm taking A.J. Brown ahead of Tyreek Hill in Dynasty all day long. So if you give me Mike Evans on top, that's a no-brainer. The age matters. And also, since week three on, A.J. Brown has outscored Tyreek. Where are you at on this one, Heath? That's an enormous win. You should be the one throwing something in with Tyreek to get A.J. Brown. So you, you fleeced the guy. Great job. Good trades there. Uh, and we appreciate the questions in the chat. Let's pivot right back to this Houston-Arizona game. It's a really fun one for fantasy. Let's first talk about Tank Dell. Tank Dell, we, you talked about Josh Downs. And I think it's safe to say that Downs and Dell uh, sounds like a like a law firm or a tech company, Downs and Dell. But Downs and Dell are the best third round draft picks since that 2019 class with Deontay Johnson and Terry McLaurin. It's been like an absolute train wreck uh, for all of these guys uh, in that that have come out of the third round. I think Josh Palmer is probably the most productive one since. But now you have this fantastic production from Dell. He's had three games over 20 PPR points, might be close to four over like 18. And Mm -hmm. he's averaging 14.9 points per game in PPR. But he's smaller. He's 24 years old as a rookie. And I think he's a difficult player for some to gauge. Like I've seen some polls go up on Twitter where, you know, you could put him next to Puka Nakua, Jordan Addison. And there's some people are going to view him as the best asset there. Then there's some people that would look at that poll result and just be shocked. So I think he's a guy where people are really having difficulty with valuation for him. Where does he fall for you? Is he a perfect storm opportunity play? Or is this a guy with big time long term fantasy viability that could be like a cornerstone player for your dynasty roster? I will admit that he is someone that I have a lot of internal conflict with because I'm a sucker for college production. The guy averaged more than 100 receiving yards per game his last two years in college and had 29 touchdowns in those games. I'm a sucker for the friend with the quarterback narrative. And so when the, when the reports came out in May that CJ Stroud was asking the Texans to draft this guy, I was already more interested in him. I felt like you look at him on tape, you look at his production profile if he'd been three inches taller, he would have been a first round pick. And so I, I feel like the, the value was already dinged because of the size. So as I'm moving him up now, based on what he's shown us in the league, I don't want to double ding him for that. He's a low end number two, mid range, number two wide receiver for me in dynasty. But I do kind of have to pull back on myself a little bit because I would I'd like to rank him higher. This is the type of guy with the connection with the young quarterback and the instant production in the offense that I, I'm prone to just go bananas on. I do think it's a fair conversation with him and Puka Nakua. Nakua was not viewed as good of a prospect as Tank Dell coming into the NFL. He wasn't as good a player in college. He had a great four-week streak without Cooper Cup, and then the last four weeks he's been seven points or fewer in three of his last four games. So I think those two guys, like we, they're very volatile assets in that wide receiver two range. They could go either direction still. But I, I'm more holding myself back, trying not to rank Tank Dell too high, uh, but super excited, encouraged. I would be more worried if the Texans draft a wide receiver about Nico Collins than I would be about Tank Dell. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm with you. And I like Nico Collins a lot for Dynasty as well. I think 
the 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 Houston Texans, you know, offensive system has been so reliant upon playing three wide receivers all the time. Yeah. And it's not like it's it's really exciting because, you know, when we we talked about like like Slowick and D'Amico Ryan's, you thought maybe this would be a conservative offense with like a lot of San Francisco to it, very running back heavy. It's been anything but it's been a complete 180 where we are going to see so many teams in underdog best ball and in redraft for that matter that are stacking Houston Texans to CJ Stroud. So all these guys are excited, but you know, when, when you go and look at what 14.9 points per game means for a rookie wide receiver, Mm -hmm. it's behind the Jefferson and the chase rookie seasons, you know, obviously, but Garrett Wilson last year was about as good as it gets. And he, you know, had a couple slow weeks at the beginning of the year and then got caught fire. So it's kind of a skewed stat for him because the usage changed, but he averaged 12.7 points per game. Dell's two points ahead of him. Jalen Waddle, uh, who was a, basically a wide receiver one as a rookie, right. caught set the record for rookie receptions, averaged 15.4. So we're talking about a half point difference. And Amon Ross St. Brown, who was the league winner that season, again, kind of skewed like Wilson because of the impact he had at the end versus the beginning but when it comes down to it you're talking about 14.2 so it means something so i think tank dell like i like i think in you know you can correct me if i'm wrong on this one but i think it's league specific if you have a tank dell manager who does not value him uh you know in 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 the correct way then i think he's a trade target for you to go get but on the flip side if you have somebody who's treating him like a tyree kill or a amon ross st brown level I don't mind trading him. So I feel like it's kind of a I'm I'm somewhat neutral on him as like a foundational piece. We've moved him way up our dynasty rankings, but I don't know, Heath. It's it's a it's a weird one. <laughs> it is a weird one. I do I do have one more stat, and I just I, I looked this one up earlier in the week, and so I wanted to get it out there. Um he, there are five rookie wide receivers, well, four before Tank Dell, who were drafted in round three and averaged at least 55 receiving yards per game. So 55 receiving yards, round three wide receiver. Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, Cooper Cup, T.Y. Hilton, and now Tank Dell. If he keeps this up for the rest of the year, that's pretty good company. Say that one again, Heath. I'm Keenan writing that Allen, down. Keenan Allen, T- Terry McLaurin, Cooper Cup, T.Y. Hilton, the only round three wide receivers to average 55 receiving yards per game. Right now, Tank Dell's at 63.8. That's an incredible stat. That's why you listen to Dynasty Life, and you should give Heath, Heath Cummings a follow for that stat alone. Your stat is now our stat, Heath. I'm going <laughs> yes. to credit you for it, but I'm going to use that one on future <laughs> Please podcasts. do. There you go. Um, and l- let's stay with this one more. We could talk about this game alone because it's so exciting, but we have to talk about Trey McBride. Mm-hmm. Trey McBride has had two unbelievable smash games. Uh, he's had them with separate quarterbacks. He had a Josh Dobbs one, and he had a Kyler Murray one. Uh, Trey McBride was a second-round draft pick, a mega producer at Colorado State. He's had a weird path where he really struggled when when he had an opportunity last year, and then the beginning of this year playing behind Zach Ertz. But we are here. A second-round player is doing this. Where should we be on Trey McBride in Dynasty? Is this very surprising to you? Um, How are you valuing him in terms of tight end like a tight end like hierarchy is he an elite tight end for you in dynasty or do you want to see a little bit more you know i i think that what we're going to find is do they bring zach Ertz back and what does it look like then maybe in the second half gives us a little more of an indication but i lean towards the elite tight end like you, you talked about the weird start for him but for a tight end it's kind of the more traditional start than what we've seen from dalton kincaid and saying like what they're doing is weird this year we've seen rookie tight ends struggle we've seen tight ends break out he's still just next week turns 24 years old so happy yeah. birthday trey mcbride it's been a pretty good birthday present you get all of the targets this is another one where the offensive system really seemed like they they could not stop throwing the ball to Zach Ertz when he was averaging basically a yard per route run and so I do think this is what they want to do they want a heavy tight end presence in this offense McBride's going to be there for at least the next couple of years Kyler we've seen him when DeAndre Hopkins wasn't there lean on his tight end I he's right behind Sam Laporta and Dalton Kincaid for me in terms of dynasty tight end rankings. I actually just in this poor one out. This is sad. I just moved Kyle Pitts behind that trio. So, yeah, I, I, I think he's an elite tight end. I agree with you. And we moved him way up our dynasty rankings at player profiler. And it made me feel a little sick 
because I, I, but I traded Kyle Pitts uh, for Trey McBride in like a in like a fifth round or fourth round rookie pick yeah. in a win now team, and it was like, uh, you know, it's almost like a giving up of hope type feeling where you're making that trade, yeah. um, and I'm also sickened by the timing of it because if I would have done that at the beginning of the year, I could have gotten like Trey McBride and a couple of second rounders right. uh, for for Kyle Pitts, maybe even more. But, you know, we got to do what we got to do when we have a chance to win Dynasty Championships. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about some of these older wide receivers. Who would be your favorite trade target among Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen, or Devontae Adams? And I, I'll say this. I leave Tyreek Hill off this list because I feel like people value him more uh, right now. So I feel like these other three, people don't know how to value them in Dynasty. And Cooper Cup, you could throw on this list as well. But I feel like certain managers might see their window for success longer than others. Certain managers, even if they're a playoff contender, might be interested in a dynasty pivot because there's a lot of ageists out there. Which one would you be most comfortable with uh, trading for? And is it based on the value you'd have to give up? Yeah, I think I think you're right to 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 take Tyreek out of the equation because he's going to cost too much. I've got to mortgage the future too much for Tyreek Hill, and he's still not that far from 30. Um, Diggs would be my favorite as long as he doesn't cost too much more than Keenan Allen is the way I would clarify, because I think those guys are probably pretty close. I would slightly prefer Diggs for the rest of the season than Allen. Um, and Allen's a couple of years older, so I might get an extra year, year or two out of Stefan Diggs. But if if it's a significant difference in cost, I'd be just as comfortable going and getting Keenan Allen. I think that Tyreek costs too much. I am a little bit cons- more concerned about Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams than I have than I am Diggs and Allen. Yeah, no, I, I love I love the response, and I think that these are the kind of players you should go make trade offers for. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a tweet about this a while ago, and pe- certain people will just crush you. They say, you know, no one's <laughs> trading those guys for for a discount. But I do think, again, it's league-specific the way that people treat older veterans in Dynasty. And again, the fear of, of, of older players exists out there. And some of these guys just age quite gracefully. So here's a question in the chat uh, from Chef TPTB. Um, this is a Mark Andrews question. Would you trade Mark Andrews for Devontae Adams, Jonu Smith, and a 2024 second and for intense, all intents and purposes, let's say this is non-superflex. I think this is the sort of pivot that it's almost like a haircut you need to make. If you're a contender and you are sitting there at like seven and three and you lost Mark Andrews, I think you still have to push the chips in the table. This is a pivot that I think I can make because I'm going to get similar production with Devontae Adams, albeit at a different position, but I could kind of work things out. And I get that 2024 20, second. I maybe want a little bit more than this for Mark Andrews. Where would you be at? Yeah, this is the type of offer that I would not just auto decline. And I would let the guy know I'm not ignoring you, but I would be actively looking to try to beat that deal. It makes me feel a little bit nauseous to give yeah. up Andrews for Adams, John O. Smith, and a 2024 20, second because. It might be 12 months from now, and I've got a 2024 20, second that I turned Mark Andrews into, and that wouldn't feel very good. So I, I do think like it's it's I agree with you that if you can't do any better than this and you've got a real win now roster, like I lost Mark Andrews last night, and it's a team that's sitting at eight and two and in first place, but I only have one running back in Brees Hall, and I've got Garrett Wilson, Devontae Smith, Drake London, Jordan Addison or my four wide receivers. I I'm probably not going to give up future value or trade away Mark Andrews. I'm going to try to piece it together and win the title, but my my window's just opening. If you're at the closing end of that window, then I think that's when you have to consider making that Andrews for Adams deal. And we were going to talk about some some trade targets at the end of the show, but who would be when we talked in the pre-show, we both had kind of a similar takeaway uh, for a tight end target that could help some of your, you know, contenders right now. Who would be a, a player you would be going and kicking the tires for to try and acquire to kind of cover up for the Mark Andrews loss? It, it's definitely Dalton Schultz. I think yeah. he's the guy who can get you the closest to Mark Andrews production, and he's not going to get all the way there, but he can get you the closest to Mark Andrews production without costing you a first-round pick. 
Um, I, I should be able to get him for less than a first. I would expect he's going to live in that 12 to 13 fantasy point range. Well, Andrews is probably going to be 14 to 15. So maybe it's costing you two or three points, but you're not completely mortgaging the future to get him. They've bounced around wide receivers. There was too many Robert Woods targets early in the year. Now we've seen a whole bunch of Noah Brown lately. But the thing that's been pretty consistent over the last month is that Dalton Schultz is heavily involved. And when they get to the red zone, Dalton Schultz is almost the only one heavily involved. He's looking at a 30, 40% target share inside the red zone so i like schultz quite a bit as that guy yeah i i love it and that's we had the exact same uh you know guy we were looking to get and i actually had an ffpc contender where at the beginning of the year it was mark andrews and darren waller and cole Komet, and now it's yeah. down to just cole Komet, tight end premium scoring and today i was able to get dalton schultz uh you know pretty high stakes ffpc league for dalton schultz and a fourth rounder for my second rounder. And it, I like think it. it's going to be a late-ish second. So right. he also, Dalton Schultz has, you know, some insulation because they gave him the big contract. He's shown great chemistry with CJ Stroud. He's been highly productive player. So he's insulated for a couple of years here. This is not like trading for some 35-year-old. It's not. This is not like going out and getting a Logan Thomas where you're like a real short-term rental. I feel like you're getting a two-year window. I love your tight end target there, Heath. That's a great, great one. Uh, how about two players? We talked about Tank Dell, and I think that these two guys are going to be kind of polarizing as well. We during the preseason, if 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 me and you were talking about guys we thought would gain value in Washington, we would have talked about Jahan Dotson <laughs> and we would have talked about Terry McLaurin. And thank God we didn't, because we would not have looked very smart on that one. But you've got some great fantasy production just with different players. So the Eric Bieniemy offense. Now you have Sam Howell leading the NFL in passing yards. And in some scoring systems, Sam Howell is up to QB3 overall. And you've got Brian Robinson, who in PPR is running back six overall. These two guys are funny because Sam Howell is a second-year player. Brian Robinson's a second-year player. But people don't really know how to value them in Dynasty. Are these guys that are short-term opportunistic assets that are going to lose a lot of value soon, or are these guys that could be foundational players for our dynasty rosters? I would view them more towards the short-term range than I would the foundational range. Now, I think that Robinson's interesting because he's right on that line of where running backs can be drafted and you can count on them to hold any sort of value at all. And it, I do think like a lot of this is dependent on what's going to go on in terms of who's in charge in Washington moving into next year, because it seems to me that the offense has probably done enough this year that Eric Bieniemy, Sam Howell, Brian Robinson are all probably going to have similar, pretty similar roles and jobs next year. That's important because Bieniemy's offensive system has been so screen dependent. And throwing to running backs and tight ends has been a huge part of it. He's brought a lot of stuff over from Kansas City with him to the chagrin of Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson fantasy managers and not enough wide receiver targets, unfortunately. But I no, I think I would view Robinson as a guy who could be a number two running back for the rest of this season. And probably I wouldn't want to value him as more than a flex after that. I Howell is my number 14 quarterback in dynasty rankings right now. I feel pretty confident that he's going to start through the end of next year and very little confidence beyond that. I love your Howell answer. Brian Robinson is kind of a funny one because he's shown a strong enough receiving ability that I think he could be insulated yeah. in the league a little bit longer. But it's it's very funny because, you know, it's not a guy I would definitely mortgage the future on. Right. But if somebody's looking to sell, it's not a guy. It's a guy that if I get a reasonable offer for, with Brian Robinson, then I'm going to take him on my my roster. Um and we had the, the the chat is going absolutely nuts here because Adam Schefter has announced that Joe Burrow is done for the season. So last night I'm on a podcast uh, we're with Eric Balkman, the FFPC one of the Betters Network. And uh, right on the air, I had to deal with like being sick to my stomach over Mark Andrews. Now I've got to be sick to my stomach over the Joe Burrow one. But it segues into our next question because CD Lamb has exploded over the last three weeks. He's the first player in NFL history with 10 catches and 150 yards in three consecutive games. And it's happened post bye week, which is really, to me, 
the team making an emphasis to build their offense around C.D. Lamb. It's a lot of self-scouting there. But now it becomes a question, Heath, if you're a Jamar Chase manager and you're chasing your dynasty title, this is a guy a couple months back where we would have all had Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson as the top two wide receivers in dynasty. Are you potentially pivoting off of Chase? And also Jefferson's an interesting one because, you know, managers had an opportunity to pivot off of him while injured, and we don't necessarily know if his production will be – it's still going to be wide receiver one, but it might not be quite this, like, truly, like, wide receiver one overall level. Is this an opportunity to pivot, or is that too short-sighted? Or do you view the A.J. Browns and the C.D. Lambs kind of closer to this one-two than maybe you did a few months ago? So I've I've had Lamb at my wide receiver three for, for most of the last year. Uh, maybe in a couple of little blips there where he fell to four or five. But I think the difference is, and you hit on it, especially after this news, Lamb was already closer to Jefferson than he was a few months ago. And now he's definitely going to be closer to Chase. And I know a lot of people, when they put together Dynasty rankings, I've heard this, like I, they're trying not to think about this season. They're trying to value the guys after this season. Like this is a different thing. I don't look at it that way because like you're right. C.D. Lamb's got a better chance of helping me win a championship right now than Jamar Chase does and flags fly forever. And so I do like, you should get something extra. You shouldn't be selling Jamar Chase for CD lamb straight up, but I think it's worth exploring. What, what do, what do I get? If I give you Jamar Chase and you give me CD lamb or a Ross St. Brown or AJ Brown, really, I think those are the three guys that shouldn't, you shouldn't have to get a King's ransom in addition to those guys. Cause they're going to help you win a championship more this year. Yeah. And again, it's, it's a matter of, and you know, I'm sure you you talk about this on your show, Heath. But like having a a very attractive roster is is great. But if I can make a pivot that helps me win titles and wins money, right. then I can pay for my next four or five years of an entry fee with one single championship. That needs to matter. There's too many dynasty players who play the game way too long term. And then you're always just kind of in this cycle of, you know, maybe finishing third, right. never really pushing your chips into the table. Um, it can be an uncomfortable feeling to give up an elite player. But if I can get a player that's 90% of their dynasty value, maybe a little bit on top, uh, then I think that's a pivot you can make. So I think if you're a Jamar Chase manager and I'm in like a top three seed right now and I can pivot to one of those guys that Heath just mentioned, I'm going to think about doing it. I think the mistake you would make yeah. would be trading Jamar Chase and going out and getting a Tyreek Hill, which sounds amazing for right. me, but that could really put me back even as, as soon as next year, just because when these older guys lose it, they lose it. And father time is undefeated in and this one game. Other, one other angle on that. And cause I, I, I'm a pretty big proponent of when you're rebuilding, you should do it with pass catchers. And so you could have a rebuilding roster where you've got some, really elite Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. You've got maybe JSN, Jordan Addison, those guys on your roster. I would not hesitate at all if you're that team to see how much extra it costs you to turn them into Jamar Chase. If you're not competing this year anyway, can I upgrade Garrett Wilson to Jamar Chase for a discount? And the discount for this next three months or next month doesn't bother me anyway because I wasn't trying to win. That's actually a, a fantastic way of looking at things because the the pivots to Chase and Mandrews, like tight ends age gracefully. Mandrews is going to have several more impactful right. seasons in this league, and Jamar Chase is unbelievable. I don't have to worry about their production if I'm in rebuild mode where I'm going to have an opportunity to take those guys on and just not worry about it. I, I love that that answer. Let's talk about one backfield that's been a little bit problematic lately. Ken Walker has had a really weird run here. Ken Walker was a guy that if we talked before the NFL draft, there were certain people that had him at, at one, at one point he had reached number running back one overall in the dynasty rankings for running back at player profiler. It was like for like two weeks, but he right. reached that level. Then obviously the choice of Zach Charbonnet sent him down big time in terms of the dynasty rankings, you know, still a guy that was worth a lot, but he fell in redraft. He fell in dynasty startups. Uh, it was more of a indictment of their view of him rather than his talent, but it definitely showed that they didn't view him as a true, true three down bell cow. 
now then Kenan Walker actually dusts Zach Charbonnet <laughs> to start the year. And yes. Ken Walker smashes it, but now it's starting to be the problematic times. Three straight yeah. weeks where he's been outsnapped by Charbonnet. Charbonnet's getting more targets. Ken Walker uh, actually had a huge game this past week, though. He had 19 carries, and he also had a 65, or excuse me, 64, 65 yard touchdown reception, but on like two two targets. Is this the perfect trade window for Ken Walker? Or do you think that this is a guy that I'm not scared of? I'm holding. Like, where are you at, Heath? How are you valuing Ken Walker? So what you're saying is there's this running back who's been a complete roller coaster for everyone in the industry for the last year, and you'd like for me to tell you what's going to happen next. <laughs> yes, I would like you to tell me because I do think that this is the wind. This is a it's a window though because it's not quite scary times. If I'm seeing him, like I can make a glass half full. Right, the guy can do. It doesn't matter. So here's the glass half full. And I've heard other other analysts say this, some smart people, is it doesn't matter about the snap share for Ken Walker because when he is on the field, he is a high touch per snap player, right. and he's going to get going to get the ball every time he's on the field. They're just like keeping their backs fresh, and this is actually super smart by the Seahawks. The glass half empty is there's this big, strong second round pick back who's a probably a better receiver than him and is out snapping him already a real threat to him. Right. Could he kind of take over at some point this, this season? And it could, it be 62% or 60% Zach Charbonnet, 40% Walker. And then you start getting into scary land. What do we do? Yeah. The, the problem for me is that I love both of these backs. I do think that Ken Walker probably is a little bit of that kind of back that fantasy managers often like a lot more than coaches do. Um, because he hits the home run plays and he looks awesome in the open field. But when the hole gets muddy, he generally loses yards. He's in terms of success rate. He has a lot of plays that go for zero or negative yards. I don't think Zach Charbonnet is going to have very many of those. Um, I view Walker still as a top 10 dynasty running back. If there's an opportunity to buy lower than that, then I'm all in. I do think we got a little bit ahead of ourselves when we had him up at number. And I had him, I think two was the highest he peaked for me. So he's right in that six to 10 range. It's just the problem is Pete Carroll and the fact that Zach Charbonnet is really good. And so if it doesn't take but just the slightest little thing for Walker to go wrong and a few more of those touches go to Zach Charbonnet, I'd mostly though, I'm just buying both of these backs. Yeah, I think I'm I'm with you on that. And and shout out to the chat. I have all the the Ken Walker uh, so you know, I'm I'm yeah. I'm I'm in this one. This is not like a me. I, I'm actually legitimately thinking about pivoting off of some of the shares I have for him just because of the exposure. But at the same time, I'd be giving up a young back who's been nothing but productive, you know, pretty much since he got the opportunity. So it's a really weird one to gauge. How about a backfield that's a little less? Uh, the guys are a little less valuable, but <laughs> Najee Harris and Jalen Warren right now, Jalen Warren is running back 28 in PPR second year player got over 30 receptions already. Najee Harris is running back 29. Um, his trade value has cratered, but he still had several solid weeks in a row. Warren's getting more snaps and Tomlin's made him like a de facto starter, but it's still basically a split backfield. Who would you rather roster in Dynasty, Heath? Um, I would rather roster Warren in Dynasty. I would like to sell off of Najee's recent success. And if somebody thinks that Jalen Warren's going to be a no-doubt starting fantasy running back, I'd like to sell that as well. It was funny. He was named the de facto starter, and then Najee Harris played the first five snaps of the game. So I don't know. Like I think they just wanted to run him out there in front of the fans and stay, say his name. But he listen, he's... He's playing fantastic. I just don't think that Jalen Warren is actually a full-time running back. I think he's excellent in that part-time role. And so if if the value gets too high, if people are viewing him as a, as a top 20 or really even top 25 running back, I'm I'm happy to sell. I think he's a nice flex piece. I, I like I like the answer. It's funny because you know what you're a redraft manager, there's no chance that you have Warren and Harris on the same roster unless you kind of did it wrong uh, because they are, their ADPs were starting to con converge this year. But pretty much every dynasty roster with Najee Harris, if you did it right, you have Jalen Warren because he was so cheap as a rookie. It was a great opportunity for you to go get your handcuff. And now 
there are a lot of dynasty rosters with both of them. So it's a it's a constant headache which one to play each week. It's not this is not a David Montgomery Jameer Gibbs thing where you could just play them both. Um, but you know this is a it's it's a little bit of a headache for starting. But at the end of the day, if you have only one piece of them. I think for the rest of the season, you're pretty safe. It's like a low-end RB2, high-end RB3, right. flex play, um, and kind of don't overthink it. But if somebody in my league wants to pay me for the last two weeks of Najee Harris, come Please. at me. You know, I'm not a hard guy to find. Um, and then let's talk about Devon A-Chain. He should be back this week. I know there's been a little couple late reports. You're down in the in the Miami area. He's going to play this week. You know, at least confirm that for us, Heath. Uh, Mike McDaniel has been very coy about this. He really enjoys teasing the reporters about their fantasy teams um, and fantasy managers. But yeah, I think he's going to play this week. And Mike McDaniel, you can tease us all you want, man, because you care about us. I know you do. You know, it's been great. Uh, you know, pretty much any any fantasy manager in the country, if Mike McDaniel knocked on your door and wanted to eat Thanksgiving dinner with your family, welcome in, coach. You you know, Arthur Smith shows up, you might you might close the door. But, you know, Mike McDaniel, he's fantastic. How about Devon A-Chain, though? Was one of the best fantasy draft picks you could have made then, you know, unfortunately gets hurt. Now he's back to potentially be the league winner. Where does he fall in line for you as a dynasty asset? I think it's uh, everybody's going to say he's an elite dynasty asset at this point. But in terms of really where he falls in line, in terms of where you would put him among running backs in dynasty right now. I've got him in my top 12. Um, yeah. And it's not... I think he's one of those players like ranking running backs in dynasty is, is pretty terrible in the first place, just because of how volatile this position is. And so when you get a player with his type of upside, you're pretty much just forced to elevate him into what he could be knowing that nobody at this position really has a floor anyway. And so I do have some concerns about how many touches they're going to want to give him after he came in with injury concerns, had injuries in the preseason, played three games and got hurt again. But he's in one of the best offenses in football, and he's absolutely electric with a coach that can get him in space. So I think if you get if we get a stretch where he plays 16 games, he's the type of running back that just wins your league for you. I don't know how many times that's going to happen, but I'm willing to bet on him being a top 12 running back at that cost. Shout out to the chat. You guys are great. Please hit the like button. Let's talk about the top of, the, of your running back board because Bijan Robinson, RB1, don't really need to talk about it for your dynasty rankings, Heath, or... Want to push back? No, no pushback. Okay. I do okay, think so, the gap so then, the gap has shrunk. Like the people who passed on three first round picks back in May are probably not feeling great about that. Fair enough. Okay, but we both have Bijan one. Yes. Number two becomes a little bit polarizing. There is a Brees Hall camp. There is a Jameer Gibbs camp. There is a couple of other camps out there. Where are you at for RB2 overall in Dynasty? In terms of which one I prefer, it's which one can I get cheaper. But I've got Gibbs at two and Hall at three right now. I reserve the right to change that answer in a week. Um, but I feel more confident in, especially if we're just talking about this year, I think Jameer Gibbs in full PPR is going to be better rest of the season than Brees Hall. It's a slight edge for him, but they are neck and neck at number two. Jameer Gibbs is unbelievable. Redraft question. Jameer Gibbs, a first round redraft pick next year. I say yes. The way he's going to end this year, I think that he's going to steam his way into the first round. What do you think? I would say that he will be a first-round pick in redraft, definitely in half PPR leagues, probably in full PPR as well. Yeah, PPR, we love you, Jameer Gibbs. You yes. can be on my roster anytime you want next year. Um, let's let's uh, we we got to cl close this show out pretty soon, but there's one more running back I want to ask you about. In the state of Florida, we just talked about Devon A-Chain. Let's talk about Travis Etienne. ETN's been on an unbelievable run. He's running back three overall. Mm -hmm. This is a de facto year two for him, technically a year three guy. But it's funny, you know, Najee Harris had that great head start for him in Dynasty, was worth more than ETN. ETN has hurt his rookie year. Now they're like polar opposites. Um, ETN is, is worth a ton. But it comes down to it, he's running back three. He's in de facto year two. He was a first round draft pick. And yet you don't have him in your top three and we don't either. So I think there's a little bit of a, maybe we don't trust it as much as we do a couple of those other guys we just talked about. Where are you at on, on Travis Etienne? Where does he fall in line for you as a dynasty asset? Is he a pivot guy for you? Is he a guy that you look at as a foundational piece for your dynasty roster? Where are you at on him? Yeah, he is. Like if we'd have gone to 
my top four running backs, then Travis Etienne would have been (laughs) included. So he is my number four running back in Dynasty. And really the only difference for me between Gibbs and Hall and Etienne is that there's a two to three year age gap. And so I, I think I, I, I think I've got probably three to four years of Jameer Gibbs and Jonathan and Brees Hall. I'm not sure that I have that much with Travis Etienne. He's got free agency coming up. We've seen a lot of weird things with running backs, but I do love the fact like he's got that thing I told you earlier in the show that I'm a sucker for. You drafted with his college quarterback. He's got that connection. And then he's just been so good this year. I think he's really made gains as a pass catcher. You know, he came out of Clemson and everybody thought, oh, he's going to catch a million passes like Jameer Gibbs. But it was a lot of dump offs behind the line of scrimmage. He had some real problems catching real passes. I think he's improved in that in his second year. Tank Bigsby has been a colossal flop. I mean, he scored a couple of touchdowns, but he's made all kinds of mistakes. That's helped ETN's floor. So, yeah, I would say I view him as a foundational piece. I'm just not so sure that I've got three to four years with him. It might be a two year foundational piece after this year. Yeah, like I think that's a perfect response. Like for me, if I can take ETN and I can pivot to a Gibbs or I, for that matter, if I can pivot to a Devon a chain, I don't mind doing it. Right. Um, I think that those guys have more like exceptional long-term value. Whereas ETN, if he's my RB one on my dynasty team, I have a plenty of, of ETN as my RB ones and I feel great about it. But if I can pivot up slightly and somebody wants to pay me for RB three for this year, thinking he's safer than Gibbs, I'm making that deal all day long. I might even throw something on top. Heath, you know, I told you we'd be here for like 45 minutes to an hour. We're already over an hour. I could talk to you for like three hours on Dynasty. But we've got to get you out of here soon. Give us a couple more trade targets. If you're a contender, you know, Heath gave you Dalton Schultz as a guy you can go trade for as a tight end. I was completely on the Dalton Schultz bandwagon as well as a trade target. Traded for him myself uh, actually this morning. Where are you at on a couple other guys, Heath? Yeah, I, I when you gave me the the assignment to look for for guys to buy for winners, I wanted to go try to find guys we could buy for less than a first round pick. Now, I don't want to completely dismantle my future, but I'd like to go win a league. The quarterback is probably the best story in the NFL so far this season. It's Joshua Dobbs. I just I okay. absolutely believe in him as a borderline top twelve quarterback rest of season because of what he's doing with his legs. Like it's it's basically eight to ten fantasy points running every single week. Now we're gonna add. Justin Jefferson to that equation it's possible when you trade for Dobbs that you're not just trading for a six-week band-aid to try to help you go win a championship as your QB2 he might earn himself a starting job in the NFL going into next season and so he is the guy that shouldn't cost you too much but I would go by to help you win at quarterback uh you just run through the running back in the, t- in the wide receiver as well or you want to talk yeah, about Yeah, no, we're, you, we, we can go as long as you want, Heath. Go ahead and tell us <laughs> your guys. Everybody's dying to hear. Uh, I, I think you receiver. actually had a question about this guy we didn't get to, so I'll just say it. Like I think James Conner is an excellent guy. He's old enough and had enough injury history to where the guy who's holding on to him is not expecting a first-round pick. But I do think in the fantasy playoffs and really from this point forward, yeah, they didn't throw it to him last week. They told us going into last week they were going to ease him back in. Late in the season, I expect we see James Conner as a league-winning top 12 running back. And then the third one, Adam Thielen, might have cost you a first two weeks ago. We get this lucky reprieve where Frank Wright gave up the play-calling duties for like two to three weeks just so we could lower Adam Thielen's fantasy value. (laughs) Now you can go buy him for a second-round pick. Reich's taking the play-calling back over this week. I think Adam Thielen goes back to a top 12 wide receiver. Love the James Conner one. That would have been one of my ones as well. James Conner had 16 carries his first game back from injury. Um, It's a cheap source of volume. And I think that this Arizona team is poised to have some shootouts down the stretch. And Conner, like you said, I mean, I think people are going to gobble up second round picks for James Conner. And I think there are certain managers that are, if like, if you've gotten to the point where you're not going to make the playoffs, this is about as scary as it gets an asset to hold because he's had (laughs) injuries. He's getting older. Right. I mean, this is, a you know, so James Conner, great one. Adam Thielen, this is the buy low window. Um, I do worry that it's going to cost you something because the, the manager's really been holding out. He's still a wide receiver one. So maybe you could mention that, you know, back-to-back weeks of less than 50 air yards. But I, yeah, Adam Thielen, it's weird because he's 33 years old, but the whole offense is kind of built around him. I like these ones. These are exactly the kind of players you should go out and try to get. A few weeks ago, it was Alvin Kamara. Now yep. you're seeing like the couple of these older players. Um, this was awesome. Heath, when do you start diving into the 2024 class? 
as soon as this season, well, about two weeks after the season gets over, I really, I, I watched, and I watched a little bit more college football year this year than normal, but I watch more college football in February and March than I do during actual college football season. Well, it helps when your Kansas Jayhawks are actually pretty good this year. I'm sure that that's, uh, that's not bad for you. And we'll, we'll, we'll get a chance to maybe talk in the offseason when we're getting ready for rookie draft season. Yes. But this was excellent. Let everybody know where they can find your work once again. Yeah, go look for Fantasy Football Today, Dynasty, anywhere you can find podcasts. Go to cbssports.com slash fantasy and go to the Dynasty Hub in the top right-hand corner for my Dynasty rankings and trade charts. Yeah, follow Heath Cummings. He's one of the best out there. And uh, stick with Dynasty Life. I'm trying to line up just fantastic guests. I have Ian Miller of the 33rd team coming on next week. We're going to kind of discuss the rankings differences between our two websites. I got a couple other guests lined up. If you want to learn about this 2024 class, which is very exciting, Cody Carpenter joined Maddie Keywoom and I on FutureCast, and we did a two-round 2024 uh, Superflex rookie mock draft a couple nights ago. It was a lot of fun. Uh, feels way too early, but we'll be there before you know it. Uh, and then check out First Class Fantasy. I dropped with Billy Muzio this week. Check out press coverage with Jacob Sanderson. We're doing a lot of podcasts over here, Player Profiler. We want to see you win your dynasty leagues. We want to see you win your redraft leagues. Stick with us all season long and have an excellent weekend. If I can find the end button. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.